living the dream, living in fear. Uh, Psalm 126, if you would turn there. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. One of the things, you know, I shared the first time I started preaching this two weeks ago about living the dream is we've lost that American dream. We've lost that ability to have a hope for the future. And God wants to restore it. He says, man, when God restores our fortunes, we'll be like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. We need joy. We know the world is in lack of serious amounts of joy, right? We, there is no joy. We know the church is even lacking joy. Isn't that true? I'm talking about deep-seated joy that gets you through situations. And this whole set of scriptures is about God restoring that joy to us, restoring that um, peace to us. In this series, I'm talking about everyone as a Christian should be living the dream. That doesn't mean that you aren't going through some hard situations, but that you should, in the midst of those situations, have joyful confidence that God's going to get you through. Amen? So that's the whole idea of this series of messages that I'm doing. Now, I'm going to tell you last week's message in under a minute just to catch up those that weren't here, okay? We all have fears. There are good, healthy fears, like when you're going to get in an accident and you swerve out of the way. Or if you're going through the woods and you see a mother bear and her cubs, you, well, they tell you to be still. I'd run, climb a tree, something. There's nothing wrong with that. That's healthy fear. That's fight or flight. But then there's unhealthy fear, right? That's the type of fear that consumes your decisions, it impacts your faith, and in many ways it will determine your future because it has such an impact on your psyche, such an impact on your heart. I talked about three different types of fear. The first fear being the fear of man, where we enjoy the applause of man more than heaven. What that means is the majority of what we do is to please other people. Can I tell you that's an exhausting way to live? Exhausting! When all you do, all you're worried about is pleasing other people. I'm telling you, it gets tiring. It gets tiring. For a long time, when I first started pastoring, I would preach my messages and I'd be like, that message really stunk. How do I know? I put four people to sleep. I just, and I would go home and literally beat myself up because I'm like, oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. And I'd be so frustrated. And finally, one day the Lord said, would you stop it? Are you doing what I'm calling you to do? Yes then stop it. Come home, ask me what I thought, and everything's good. And so I've adopted an attitude that it's not that I don't care what you think, but I, I try to do the best I can. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it isn't, but you know what? Tomorrow will still come. And so you can't fear, you can't be fearful of man. You can't be a fearful, you know, of that, oh my gosh, if I don't get four pats on the back, life isn't going to go on. Because I'm telling you, there's people in this place that I know deal with the fear of man, and it is exhausting can ruin your future, even a, a week at a time, two weeks at a time, years at a time. The second type of fear I talked about was fear of the present, where you're worried about what's going on in your life. You're worried about what's going to happen next. You're worried, and it just consumes you, and you lose faith to believe for anything supernatural. All you can see is the natural realm around. That's all you can see. Well, pastor, you don't understand. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. We need an Elisha experience where he told his servant, let his eyes be opened, that he may really see what's going on in the spiritual realm. And the last fear that I talked about was fear for the future. This is a huge one, especially on the national scale, because we're hearing such negativity in the news all the time, right? We're worried about, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? There's going to be no social security. There's no going to be that. And, and we could just dwell so much on those things that have not happened yet. I found really 
two things that happen about those that fear for the future. Number one, it never, ever happens. You waste your time worrying about something that really never happens. Or if it does happen, it doesn't happen near as bad as you thought. I told you last week, we are naturally, it's natural for us to go to negative things. So when you think about, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose it. It's natural to dwell on those things and it's unhealthy. Amen? Today's message is to basically talk about what do you do if you're living in fear. And I want to tell you something. Everybody here has some aspect of their life where fear is trying to get in or has got in. Uh, most of you know my situation, but about, I've been pastoring seven years. So about eight years ago, uh, I was burning the candle at both ends. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was, because I wasn't sleeping well, I was compensating by drinking a ton of caffeine. And I literally had a emotional, physical breakdown at work where my heart started racing. Um, fear came into my life that day. And I spent at least two years, if not more, seriously thinking every single day that I was going to die. I literally every day thought this could be my last day. And I want to tell you something. It was misery. I remember, you can ask my wife, I got to the point where I couldn't even go out of the house. Remember we went to the mall that one time and I couldn't even stand being around people. I was so overwhelmed I had to go sit in the car. Now you're talking about me, extrovert, talking to everybody, being the center of everything, and I couldn't even leave my home. Most of you don't even know this about me, but I dealt with a dark season. It got to the point where I got very depressed, discouraged. I remember saying thoughts or saying things to my wife like, I wish I was 75 years old that I could go crawl in a corner and die. I was so gripped by fear. Fear was every corner. And I remember, I mean, I prayed about it. I did everything I knew, battled every way I knew, and it, it never changed. It didn't change. But I remember one day the thought came to me, okay, what if you die? And I thought, I guess I'll go to heaven. That doesn't sound so bad. And all of a sudden I realized, what are you doing? And I literally, it wasn't easy. It took about eight months. But every day I made a conscious mental effort to say, I'm not going there. I'm not dwelling on it. I'm not thinking about it. If I die, big whoop. Now realize, I wasn't going to die. But fear had come in and gripped me. That spirit of death had come in and gripped me. So it took me eight months. And finally, it's like going through the woods, trying to find your way out of the woods. And finally, one day I walked out and I was like, and it was so much peace and joy. That was my experience. That was my experience. And, and, and at that time, you know, being the pastor of a church, well, I was actually associate pastor at that time, it's hard to come out and tell people you're going through stuff like that. There was only a select people that really knew, Sharon knew, obviously my wife. But it was very hard to tell people because you're a leader and you're balancing a full-time job and you're excelling there and you're excelling here and you're leading worship. And, and, and all of a sudden tell people, I'm afraid to die. What are you talking about? You're, you're, you know, you're 30, in your 30s. What are you talking about? And so I want to diffuse any of those things because I know there's people here, maybe not in that depth of a situation, but you're dealing with something where you're afraid that if something doesn't happen, this is going to be the result. Or you're afraid that you're going to die before you see this. Or you're afraid that you're going to have this. Or you're afraid of what possibly the last scan you just got at the doctor's office. Or there's some kind of fear about your future financially, your job. How is God going to provide? Come on. Everybody has fear knocking on our doors. Somebody say amen. Come on. Trying to get in. This morning, I want to counteract that. I want to give you keys to counteract that. First one, it's very, very simple, but it's the most important. 
If you want to counteract fear, if you're tired of living in fear instead of living the dream, the first thing you do is you need to cultivate a real relationship with God. Cultivate a real relationship. See, one of the things I realized at that point, if I could be honest with you, is because I was so busy, I was relying on my past relationship with God to get me through my current situation. Because I was so busy, come on people, let's be honest this morning, when you get busy, what are the first things that go? Your personal relationships. Your relationship with friends, family, spouses, God. When you're busy, usually the things that are dearest and closest to us are the ones that we mortgage because we think we can. And so what happened is uh, I realized in that moment, I didn't really have a relationship with God anymore. I was just going through the motions. I was just going through. I was relying on my past relationship and the flow that had come through in the past to get me through. And guess what? God wants us to live out of the overflow, not from reserves. And I was using the reserves. And finally, I went bankrupt. That's not what we're supposed to do. Cultivate. Do you need peace in your life? Guess what? Spend time with the Prince of Peace. Do you need joy in your life? Come on, spend time with the giver of joy. You are who you spend time with. Did you notice that after a while, spouses start looking alike? Last night, I dressed as a pirate. My wife dressed as a pirate. We didn't know we were doing that. I've seen this in my family. Some of my aunts and uncles and stuff, they've been married 50 years. They start looking alike. They dress alike. You know, the, the, the plaids, the same kind of jeans. And I'm like, what is going on? It happens. You just start finishing each other's sentences. Come on. I've heard people do that. You start thinking alike. There's times, I'm not kidding you, I will be thinking something, and I will speak it out. My wife says, you know, I was just thinking about that. Did you know that's called the two becoming one? Anybody ever experienced that before? You know what I'm talking about? You get on the same playing field, on the same level. Well, guess what? When you spend time with God, I hate to tell you, you don't influence God. God influences you. And the next thing you know is his characteristics, are you listening? His characteristics become ours. What are his characteristics? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self. Come on. Those are the things that become us. So if we need love in our lives, people, hang out with God. If you need joy, cultivate your relationship with God. If you need peace, come on. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we're living in a world that has no self-control, come on. We need self-control. Spend time with the one who had self-control. It's simple. It's so simple, but I think we miss it. Jesus was talking to his disciples about throwing seed anywhere. That's how we live our lives now. We don't cultivate anything. Come on. We go out and take hands full of corn and we just throw it on the pass. We throw it in the fields and we're like, produce. And then we go about our busy lives. Then all of a sudden we get frustrated and upset and we're empty and we're burdened and, and we're depressed and discouraged. Like, what's going on, God? And God's like, are you kidding me? When was the last time you cultivated any kind of relationship with me? If you ask anybody that farms, you have to plow and till up the, the soil to get it prepared. One of the things I'll never forget, anybody remember Beulah Roberts? Oh, Lord Jesus, that woman could work. I thought as a teenager, oh, this old lady's asking me, you know, I considered it old at the time. This old lady's asking me to help pick rock. Has anybody ever picked rock before? Every person needs to pick rock once in their life with Beulah Roberts. God rest her soul. We started picking rocks. She did not believe in breaks, water, or lunch. About two hours in, I'm like, this woman's on drugs. 
She's a robot. I know she's got to be a robot. We were picking, and what they do is they cultivate the field, they turn up the field, and then you go behind the tractor, and you, any big size rocks, you, you put them into a pile to, so that they, when they plant the seed, it can grow. How many people know that's a little bit of effort and time? So you can't just have a relationship with God without cultivating it, spending time, putting energy and time into it. Matthew was, or in Matthew, Jesus was talking in Matthew 13 about the seed, and he was saying some people just throw it upon the path and the birds of the air come. And then there's other times people just throw it in the fields and the rocks cover it. And other times they throw it in the thorns and they choke it up. Listen, that's what's happening to us today if we aren't cultivating relationship with God. Somebody say amen. That's number one. Number two, cultivate, and this is a tough one, a forgiving spirit, even if you're right especially when you're right. Oh, there's nothing worse than someone doing you wrong, and you know it. There is nothing more difficult than you being innocent, yet there's unforgiveness. Jesus went like this, and I, I, I don't like these scriptures, I'll be honest with you, because I'm the one that says, vengeance is mine, the Lord saith so. I'm taking scripture at liberty. It's actually, he's the one that does vengeance. But he goes, you know, if you're sitting there praying and you remember you have something against your brother and sister, your prayers aren't going to be heard, so get up and fix it. If somebody has something against you, fix it. Can you believe that? What is the gall of God in heaven, of Jesus telling us, if somebody has an issue with us, that we've got to deal with it? Are you kidding me? I did nothing wrong. Come on, that's America today. But Jesus said you have to cultivate a heart of forgiveness. Right now, I guarantee you, there's people in our lives that have offended us, done something to us that was not right. And God is saying this morning, you want to have peace and joy in your life? Ask forgiveness. Make it right the best you can. It doesn't mean they're going to receive it, but try. I've got some circumstances in my life with close family members where there's just literally, it's like hatred towards me. And I've reached out so many times I can't count. And every time I reach out and I get rejected, I'm like, okay, well, that's what the Lord told me to do. And then there's times where I'll hear they say something and I start getting anger inside and saying, you know what? I'm just going to spill the beans. I'm going to let everybody know what they did. And the Lord says, oh, really? What's that going to do? Well, it'll make me feel better for five minutes. <laughs> get up from praying and ask forgiveness. If you know somebody has something with you, cultivate a forgiving spirit. In Ephesians 4, it says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and gentle. I'm going to read this right now. Is there anybody you know that's like this? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and gentle, forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. God really annoys me. Can I be honest? The reason why he annoys me is because he always sets the standard so high. He says, I want you to forgive like I sent my son to forgive you. So the moment you think about Christ's sacrifice, there's no excuses anymore. That's number two, cultivate a forgiving spirit. Number three, dwell on unseen realities. Notice I said, not fantasies, realities. There's people I used to know that used to attend this church, and their comment was like, I just believe the Lord told me that I'm supposed to win the lottery. I'm going to win $100 million, and I'm going to bless 100 people with a million dollars. And I told this person, that's not the Lord. That's called fantasy. That's not, that's not faith. It's a fantasy. And I'm not saying that can't happen, but hear me. Most of the time, that kind of stuff is fantasy. When we just fantasize about something that is just impossible, that is not going to happen. What I'm talking about is thinking about things that are going to happen but yet are not seen. Come on, somebody. 
How about eternity? Anybody saved here this morning? Did you know that this is not the best it's ever going to get? That someday you're going to be without sickness and sin. You're going to be out with any kind of depression or discouragement. And you're going to be standing in heaven without any of the flesh that brings you down before God, before Jesus, with all the brothers and sisters. Come on, my grandma, my grandpa, I believe my aunts and uncles, my brothers and sisters, and all my friends, the family of God here, we're going to be uh, come together and we're going to have the biggest party that ever happened. Come on, they're going to be singing like you can't believe it. There's going to be dancing like, oh yeah, there's going to be dancing in church like you can't believe it. There's going to be shouts of joy and victory. Come on, we're going to have such a great time. There's a place, commanded blessing. Brother and sister dwell together in unity. It says every tribe and nation are going to come together. I heard a pastor say one time, and it really stuck with me. He goes, if you do not keep an eye all the time, on eternity, you'll get discouraged sometimes to the point of being not being able to get out of it. Why? Because sometimes life, S-U-C-K-S, and sometimes we got to realize that this is not it. Quit putting all your eggs in this life, this basket. Know if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that there is a better life ahead for you. Oh, because sometimes we get so consumed, especially when you're a teenager, right? Oh my God, I love her so love him so much. Did you see that shirt he wore? Um, did you see? Oh my gosh, you see that picture of that buck I shot? It's a, we get so consumed, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying this life, right? We want to enjoy it, but we have to remember the highs and the lows make no difference in the eye of eternity. You want to keep fear at bay? Say, devil, have your way, but I know what the end of the book says. Do what you want to do. But I want you to know, though you slay me, yet I still follow. I want you to know something. You might even get to the point you think you might be able to kill me. But I want you to know something. Devil, I'm going up there. You're going down there. Nothing's going to change that. Come on, somebody. Dwell on the unseen. Number four, associate. This is a good one. Ready? You hang out with, with cheerful and joyful people. When I see Tim, I see a man of God. I see an educated man. I see a brilliant man. But you want to know something else? I see a funny guy. He's funny. You want to be cheerful? Hang out with positive people. You want to have fun? Hang out with people that are fun. I'm tired of people saying, oh, my life just stinks. And I look who you're hanging out with. And you're hanging out with yourself four times over. I'm serious. It's so basic information. Come on. Don't associate, because listen, the reality is this, hear this. You are the combination of the five people you hang out with the most. If you are consistently discouraged, I want you to check the five people that you hang out with the most, because those are the people that will speak in your life the most, and they'll be who you're like. Last night, I was talking to somebody afterwards for about an hour, somebody that um, I've ministered to for a long time, friends with a long time, and Jim walks by. And I love Jim because Jim's mind goes, he's like four steps ahead of you all the time. And he goes by and he looks at us, but then keeps looking and just keeps walking away. I said to the guy I was talking to, I said, do you know Jim Lewis? Oh, yeah, I know Jim Lewis. So I was like, okay, because I know Jim will say something funny. So the next time he comes by, I said, Jim, you know Jim. And then shook hands, and right away, you came up with something funny, and he laughed. Guess what? I like hanging out with Jim. You want to know why? 
because I know he loves the Lord. He's godly. He's not perfect, but I know he's going to encourage me spiritually. But also, if I need a good laugh, if I need to change the mentality that I have, I hang out with them. There's nothing worse than hanging out with people that everything's dead. Oh, no, it's alive, but it's dead. Oh, my gosh, my car's about ready to die. Oh, my gosh, the house is going to do that. Oh, my gosh, we need this. Oh, my gosh. I'm thinking, man, how does God even like hanging out with you? Oh, this is so mean. This is so mean. Listen, we need to change because people out there are dying. They're, being, they're broken. They're hurting, and they need hope. They need somebody they can look at and say, you know what? I want to hang out with that group of people. They're fun. They're encouraging. They have life. They have abundant life. One of my goals in life has been to get Bud Franson to smile. I've seen it happen five times in the last week. God is coming back. He's a good sport. He's another one, honestly. If you hung out with you'd be surprised how funny he is. Hilarious, really he is. But he's one of those, you got to be crafty, you know. How many people enjoy hanging out with Dustin? Right? Fun. How many people enjoy hanging out with Ryan Schrader? The most huggable guy in Bradford County. Now, listen, I'm not being stupid. I know you guys are thinking, oh, listen, if you're tired of being the way you are, start surrounding yourself with people you want to be like. It's amazing how powerful that is. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, you've heard this, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Can I be honest with you? You surround yourself with people that are positive. And you will start thinking more positive about yourself. I want to tell you something. Faith and joy and peace are contagious. It's contagious. But you want to know something? Depression and discouragement and doubt is like a disease that spreads. Surround yourself. I know people have been going through tough situations. And I I want them to surround themselves with people of faith. Positive. My mother-in-law's positive so much it makes me sick. Sometimes she goes, oh, yeah, she's so happy. I'm thinking, stop it. But you know what? Am I right in saying that, Mindy? One of the most positive women I've ever met in my life. Always. And, and you have rights to not be. You want, we've shared it before. Her testimony is amazing. When she was a little girl all the way up, she's chosen. You surround yourself with people that will encourage you. Associate with joyful, cheerful people. All right, last one. I believe this is the last one. I'm done. Yes. Big one. Ready? Everybody listen. Most important. Quit being selfish. Everybody's, everybody's like, that's not me. He's talking to the wrong church. Or you're like this to your friend. I think he's talking. I love those messages when I get done preaching, and I've actually heard people say this to me. I just want you to know, thank you so much for preaching that. My husband really needed to hear it. And I'm like, really? I was actually preaching it to you. Don't be selfish. Listen, we know that some of the most miserable people are those, miserable, are those who think mainly of themselves. When you make decisions in your life, is it always based on your benefit? Are you always making decisions based on what will benefit you the most in your relationships? Being selfless is what Jesus did. Going to the cross, not defending himself, and yet hanging on the cross, dying, bleeding, broken. And he goes, God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You want to talk about a selfless human human being? That was Jesus.
we went to Williamsport on Saturday morning, me and Gabby, and had to stop and get some stuff for the costumes. And we were coming out of Party City, and I decided, let's stop at McDonald's and drive through, you know, and I'll order a salad. <coughs> uh, and I was pulling into McDonald's, and I realized the arrows went like this, and the arrow for me had to go like this. I'm like, well, I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way, and I want to go this way. I'm like, okay, I'm just going straight. Well, I start going straight, and all of a sudden, this car out of nowhere is coming this way. Of course, she's not looking my way because the arrows are saying this way. And I'm looking at Gabby, and I go, don't hit me, don't hit me, don't hit me, don't hit me. I mean, right next to my door, slams on the brake, squeals, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm such an idiot. And I'm thinking, I just probably caused that person to sin. Without a doubt, I know they were like, they were giving me very descriptive adjectives, and they probably were not positive. And, and the whole time, my daughter's like, Dad, see, see. And so she's like, and she, she kept looking. I was like, and she goes, well, this, this is her first thought. And it really was degrading to me. She goes, well, it's an old person. You don't have to worry. <laughs> Honest to God, isn't that what you said? I'm like, oh, thanks. So I'm like, literally, I'm being serious and thinking, I, I, I did something wrong. It was illegal. I almost caused an accident. And I really got someone upset, and especially someone older. So I'm like, I get in the line, and I'm sitting there, and we're talking. I'm like, I'm going to buy her. I'm going to buy whatever they're buying because they were like two cars back. And so I got up to the window and I said, can I pay for this person's car that's behind me, like three cars? And I said, you know, I said, explain the car. And there's a lady. And he goes, he looked at his camera. He goes, yeah, okay, she ordered breakfast. I said, can I, can I pay for that? And he goes, well, you can, but it would really screw things up because of this and that and everything else. He said, I can't because every way everything's organized, you wouldn't be able to work. But I thought at that moment, which I ended up not being able to do it, but in that moment, the reason why I wanted to do that is because that was me being selfless, being, you know, because I could have got mad. And the reality is this. The reality is this. So many times you see now road rage and you see people getting upset and you see people getting angry for the smallest little things, right? People used to get angry before because they didn't have food. Now they get angry because somebody cut you off in a lane and you literally have people shooting each other. One of my favorite things to do, you can ask my family, they think I'm nuts is when I go down to the fireworks or if I go down to something else and there's a lot of cars, I'll sit there and let like 20 cars out. They hate it. But I'm like, go. Because you know what it is like to sit there and no car will let you pull out? Y'all know that feeling, right? You ever sin in those moments? I'm sure you're blessing that driver. Oh, bless them in the name of Jesus. May they have a flat tire on the way home. Being, listen, I'm not sitting up here saying I haven't been selfish. I am selfish in so many areas. I've got to correct myself a lot. But I like those times of being selfless because I know what it's like when someone does that for me. I know what it's like just in little areas of, of your life when somebody puts you first. It feels good, doesn't it? Come on. It feels good. In Philippians, Paul wrote this, and I'm going to close with this verse. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But listen. In lowliness of mind, that is so unheard of. Now it's all about my rights and what I deserve. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? I'm going to esteem you better than myself. Some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you first. It goes, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Who told me, oh, I was talking to Darren Peachy um, 
we were having lunch, I think it was Thursday or Friday, and we ended up spending like three hours talking. And he made this comment to me, and he said it made his church very uncomfortable. He said a lady, a husband and wife from their church, a lady just came up front and said that she has, I think, an aggressive form of cancer. You might even know who it is. And how they acted really disturbed the body because they were, we're going to be fine. Everything's good. We're praying. Pray with us. No pity, nothing. It was like they were esteeming others above them, even though they were in the time of need. And the pastor said to me, the whole church was kind of like, oh, my God, I don't know how to handle this. I'm, I'm used to people being down and discouraged. And we understand what that is to lift people up, and we want to do those things. But it's amazing when you can, in whatever situation you are, think of others first. You know what the lady told him? She goes, you know what? I have cancer, but I know there's right now there's people out there that have kids with cancer. I've lived a long life. There's kids that haven't even started to live their life, and they're dealing with cancer. You tell me who has it worse. There is always somebody out there with more challenging situations and circumstances. Can we be in the place where we esteem others? Love this. I'm going to end with this. Keep with Philippians 2. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. So he's saying, Paul goes, listen, take on this mindset that was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, what? Of no what? Reputation. Some of you people are so worried about your reputation. Get over yourself. You will always have people that don't like you. Get over it. Well, my name is so-and-so, and I have to live up. What are you talking about? It says, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. Last night, what I loved about the body is that many of you took on the form of a servant. Here it says a form of a slave. You took on the form of a servant last night to bless other people. You didn't get paid. You got nothing out of it other than the joy of serving others. To be honest with you, the only reason I, I dressed up is because I had to in order to be in the parade which I want to do that, but is to have fun with people. I wanted people to see me and laugh, especially when they super glued my mustache and everything on. Oh, yeah, they did that. Dustin. Oh, it'll come right off. Yeah. Oh, that's what he said. Oh, a little bit of this. You know, it'll come right And there's like four of them in my office going, go, 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 go. I didn't know they were doing that, but under their breath, they were doing that. And so I super glued it on, and later in the night when I started pulling the beard, my whole lip was coming down. I knew I was in trouble. I know it sounds crazy, but I love the fact of, that people could look at me and say, that's Pastor Sean, and he's dressed like a pirate. He's so nuts. Matter of fact, your daughter said what? When she first saw me, she goes, Pastor Sean, this is three years old, three or four, you're silly. And I was like, that is the nicest compliment everybody's ever paid me. And I know it's, it sounds crazy, but even simple things like that, esteeming others, esteeming others. I love it, love it, love it. It's called honoring. It says, thought it was not robbery to be equal to God. So in other words, Jesus could, is like God. He is God, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon the form of a slave or a servant, made in the likeness of man. I don't know about you, but if you didn't have flesh and you know what flesh was like, would you take on flesh? I'm going to say it again. Jesus was in heaven with God, and he's like, hey, son, you want to become a human and be tortured? You would say, no way. Just keep sending the goats for sacrifice. Come on. But he made, he made himself likeness. That's a servant. That's humility. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even to the cross. Why? Because he loved us so much. The greatest love we can ever show is when we humble ourselves and esteem others. 
You want to get out of fear? I'm telling you right now, don't be selfish. I'm going to end with a story. When I first started working for ShopVac, I made $4.86 an hour. My first check was like $117. I remember I spent 40-some hours working with 60-year-old women. Nothing against 60-year-old women, but I was 21 years old at the time. It's just not cool. It did not help my reputation. Anyway, I ended up getting married a few years later, not making a whole lot more money, and just going through some just tough circumstances, tough times. Uh, We had just had the twins. Uh, We were young And we decided, I can't remember if it was our second or third, probably our third anniversary, Mindy and I decided we're going to go out to eat. Now, you got to understand, when you have no money, going out to eat is like Christmas. Some of you don't even realize that. Back in the day, going out to eat was like Christmas. But we had planned to go out to Red Lobster. Whoa. Now, some of you are like, well, what's that? My boyfriend. Yeah, you you don't understand. That was like half my paycheck (laughs) for a week. You know, it was crazy. And so we had made plans to go out. Remember, honey? We were all excited about it. We, we just didn't go out very much. I remember one time Sharon coming down to our house, and she opened the cupboards of our house, and we had like three cans of food. And she's like, oh, my God, you're starving. I'm like, no, we have three cans. <laughs> we didn't, I'm sorry. We just didn't understand. You know, we, we were happy, right? Friday comes, get the paycheck. She was working part-time, got her paycheck. How many know that no matter what you do, one plus one equals two, and two plus two equals four, and four and four is eight, it doesn't change. Well, our money equaled our bills other than $13. I think it was 11 or $13, something like that. And so as a godly man of the house, full of faith, what any man does when there's no money is blame the wife. That was a joke, but it's true, partially. Well, where did you spend the money? We were supposed to go out to eat. What did you do? I know you bought something. What'd you buy? I know you did. She ended up getting mad at me. She doesn't remember this because she's blacked it out, but she got in the car, tore off in the car. I went upstairs to our bedroom, and I'm just, I'm pacing. I'm like, God, I'm sick and tired. I can't, I don't have any money. I'm tired. I can't even take my wife out. This is embarrassing. What kind of man am I? I'm just, it's our anniversary. I'm so sick and tired of living this way. And I just griped and complained and complained. And man, can we complain? Aren't we good complainers? Oh my gosh, we can take something like this and make it like we're about ready to be exploded by a bomb. It's just crazy. Complain, 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 complain. And all of a sudden, I just happened to look over and on my dresser was this little pamphlet from Joyce Meyer. I love the lady. Uh, and it was about how it's better to give than to receive. I looked at that thing and I said, I'm gonna, <laughs> that's how I'm starting our fire tonight. <laughs> I'm burning that thing, you know? It was only like 10 pages. So I picked it up. I started perusing it. And in it, she just gave scripture after scripture how much of a blessing it is to give to others than to give to yourself. And I was like, okay, God, I guess you're speaking. How do I know? Because it sucks for me. See, no, one, no one's honest here. You know sometimes when God starts speaking to you and it cuts to your core, cuts to the quick, and you're like, that's the Lord. How do I know? Because it's humbling me. Mindy finally came home, thank God. I thought she was going to her mom's to stay, but she came home. And I said, honey, I'm sorry for yelling at you. I got to share this with you. And so I, I read her the, some of the scriptures, and we both got excited. I said, you know what? Let's take that $11, 12 $13 and bless somebody else. And all of a sudden, we both remembered there was a young man in our church that had two kids. The, the mother was absent. And I said, let's go get them ice cream. So we bought a half gallon of ice cream, some ice cream cones, and we took it to their house. They weren't home, dropped it off, put it in their freezer because I, I was good friends with them. He played on the worship team. And we left. We felt so good. I guarantee you we felt better than we would have ever felt going out to eat. 
I'll never forget. We went home that night. I remember holding hands in the car, just like tears in our eyes. Like it just felt so good to give, even the last of what we had. Well, that was like a Saturday, a Friday night, I think it was. Monday, I walk into work, and we had 11, uh, 11 o'clock in the morning production meeting. And I'm sitting in this meeting, and there had been a contest that they had put on four or five, six months beforehand. Everybody had forgotten about it. They thought they weren't even going to do it. I'm sitting there at 11 o'clock, and the HR manager comes in, and she goes, oh, by the way, we finally decided to finish this program. Here is the one who won the program. Sean, you won it. She hands me a $40 gift certificate to Red Lobster. I started crying. Everybody in that office went, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't care because they didn't know what I knew. It wasn't the $40. It was the fact that God showed me firsthand that it's better to esteem others, better to humble yourself. And that fear and anger that I had in that room, my bedroom, about not having money was so far gone, it couldn't even touch me. And in that moment, I went home, and I'll never forget, you remember me coming home saying, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like, you know, it's just incredible how faithful God is, but it's also incredible how fear can consume us and steal from us. To this day, I believe 100% that that card was not ours until I gave that $11 away. I don't believe it was. To this day, I don't believe that $40 gift certificate was going to be in my hand until I bought that ice cream and sewed it in someone else's lives. Thank you.